We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. Go ahead and read those verses from 12 to 16. It says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to, do, to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God, without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the world of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Amen. I'm going to read uh, four passages, real familiar passages, uh, just to give this uh, a frame of reference, to give us some, some contrast as to what we're going to study. Uh, John chapter 1, verses 11 to 13. If you guys want to look it up. If not, I'll read it and you can look it up later. It says, He came to his own, and his own did not accept him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name. That's John 1, verses 11 to 13. Romans 10, verses 9 through 10 that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Last one, Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Amen? There's a prevailing theme in those three verses, and really through the whole Bible. Through the whole Bible. Um, salvation is a gift. It's not because of anything that we do. Doesn't matter who you might be, doesn't matter what you might know, none of us are good enough, not in the sight of the Lord. We can impress each other all day, but we can't impress the Lord. He knows us. So we read these three passages, and it's a prevailing theme, right? It's a free gift, not of our own. It's by grace. It's by faith. It's because he came to us. So then we come to Philippians, and we read this. Okay? It seems as though it might be some sort of contradiction. But does God's word contradict itself? No, not at all. I'll read it to you again. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation. But it's not by works. What could that mean? What could that possibly signify? We need to know. We need to know. 
Because it's going to have a bearing on how we live. How we present the gospel. What testimony we give to other people. Amen? So we need to know. So the key to studying the Bible is always context. Context. What was being said? Was it just that one verse? Or is there a theme being brought through the whole book of Philippians? Just to give you guys a... Some background, in the prior verses in chapter, chapter 2 of Philippians, verses 1 through 5, 1 through 4, Paul is exhorting the people. He's speaking to, remind, remind me who he's speaking to? Who's Paul speaking to in, in this book? Who? Philippians, who are they? They're Greek Christians. Okay? Philippi is what now is modern Greece, or was what is now modern Greece. So he's talking to Christians in the same manner that I might be talking to a majority of Christians here. Okay? We've got to keep that in mind. He's not talking to non-believers. He's talking to Christians. And the first four verses, he's telling them basically this. Um, be of one mind, be of one accord, be in agreement. Don't esteem yourself more important or higher than your brother. Esteem yourself less. Prefer your brother to yourself. Right? Those are good basic Christian values, right? He's teaching them. Don't look out only for the interest of yourself, but look out for the interest of your, your fellow Christian, your fellow brother, the guy sitting next to you, your sister. Then verses 5 through 11, he uses the great example of Jesus to further the lesson. He's saying, listen, Christ Jesus, being in the form of God, being God the Son, he wasn't capricious. He didn't demand his own will. He didn't say, I'm going to take the power of God, which, which belongs to me, and do what I desire to do. He could have basically snapped his fingers and made us all sons and daughters, right? Theoretically. But he didn't see, us at, see it as something to grasp onto. He showed us a, a tremendous example of humility. Being God, he took on the flesh of a man. And not only that, he died on the cross as a man, feeling the pain of a man for our benefit. Okay? He's, 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 Paul's preparing them. He's trying to make them understand that what they have is a gift. It's a gift to be appreciated. Okay? So as we read this, uh, this passage... When it says, work out your salvation, it's not saying, do works to be saved. It's not saying that. It's not saying good deeds. It's not saying, be a, a good cowboy. It's not saying that. Work out your salvation. We need to understand what it's saying. And 
And um, I look at it this way. We've been put in a place we didn't deserve to be. And we received a gift that we didn't have any merits for. Not by any stretch of the imagination. Doesn't matter how good you are. But my mom, Mark, you didn't know her. She was such an angel. Yeah, I believe that. My mom was an angel too. So was Grandma Margarita and all the other people. But that's not what qualifies us. Because the Lord sees our heart. He knows our intentions. He knows we, we have tendencies to be jealous and, and angry, envious and, proud and prideful. So there, there are many things that disqualify us from ever thinking we're going to get into the kingdom of heaven, our own deeds. It's just not going to happen. So now we're in a place that none of us really deserve. We have this gift that it's, it's amazing. The gift of new life, of being born again. A new slate, a blank slate. How would we react to such a gift? Unfortunately, some of us sometimes, instead of looking at it as a gift, as a new opportunity, we see it as a, as a reprieve. You guys know what a reprieve is? A last-minute salvation. I mean, I was hanging by the skin of my nails, and I got saved. And as soon as you, you get saved, you sit back on your laurels and you relax. You see, got out of that one. But that's not what salvation does. Salvation gives us a new start. I remember um, when I was a new Christian, one of my favorite verses is 2 Corinthians 5.17. Why don't we go there? find it? One of the most famous passages in the Bible, and I think new Christians all over the earth use this, and rightly so, but do we understand it really? It says, 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Wow, such, such a beautiful truth. And this is all going back to the fact that we need to work out our salvation. Such a beautiful truth. All things are made new. If we look, the, look up the definition of this verse in the Greek, we find out that it's not, not a stagnant happening. It's a progressive thing. We've been given a new slate, but not to let it collect dust. Not to let it um, get dirty. We need to get to work. We need to work, our, work out our salvation. 
What does that mean? It means that when we get saved, when we're born again, when we're given that new opportunity, it shouldn't be, got out of that one. No, it should be, wow, a new life? I mean, it should create in us this immense gratitude, which leads to an immense desire to serve, to love, out of appreciation, out of just tremendous, tremendous thankfulness. I mean, not in a million lifetimes could we pay back for our salvation. You think we could ever pay back? We can't. It's, it's something without value. But there should certainly be that desire in our heart to say, wow, Lord, what can I do? What can I do for you? How, how, do, I, how do I use this as a launching pad and not stay here? How do I work out my salvation? How do I make it grow? Don't misunderstand me. We're never going to be any more loved or less loved than we are right now. That's not the case. The Lord's love is genuine, sacrificial, without conditions. He loves us. But our gratitude, our gratitude, I mean, we should be just bouncing with desire. We should be working out our salvation. We should be in the Word, working out our salvation. We should be growing. Are you guys understanding me? I'm not saying this is going to make you more saved. It will make it more evident to other people. What does that do? It gives glory to the Lord, and it blesses others, and it brings people to, to Christ. So there should be that, that desire, that hunger. We should use this new slate, this new beginning, as that, as a starting point. Don't stop there and say, whew, I'm done. No. God didn't save us for that. Neither, you know, nevertheless, we are saved. I, in uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, it says, What manner of love is this? What manner of love is this that we should be called sons of God? I say sons and daughters of God, right? Kids. What manner of love is this? That's the, the, the whole immensity that just captures my heart and says, I'm a son of God? And I pray that my kids become sons and daughters of God. Because God doesn't have grandkids, does he? Each of us need to decide. We don't get in on the coat strings of our mom and dad. But it's, it's tremendous. What manner of love, love is this that we should be called sons and daughters of God? Work out our salvation. When I... Um, have the opportunity and the privilege of, of um, teaching um, the high schoolers on Sundays, I always, always use this example. Think of your life as a Christian 
as a process. You know what the process is? Becoming who we already are. Who are we? In Christ. I just read the verse. We're sons and daughters of God. So what I mean by we should spend our time becoming who we already are. I always use this example. Maybe, maybe it'll help you guys. I don't know. This is grace, right? Being given something you don't deserve. Being given God's love. I tell them, imagine yourself, say you're an athlete. Say you, you consider yourself somewhat of a basketball player. But you're only 5'3". Okay? And someone, some coach from some great team, we might say Lakers, not, 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 not too often anymore. Might say Clippers, but you know, we don't want to be creator to the Lakers. Let's say the, the dream team. The national team, the USA dream team. I said, imagine you guys walking down the street, dribbling a ball, showing your stuff, and in your heart you know it's not real impressive anyway. But uh, the coach comes up to you. What's the coach's name? It's a Polish name. He's the Duke coach. What is it? Czeski. Imagine Coach Czeski comes up to you and says, Robert, guess what? What, what, what? You're on the national team. You're on the dream team. Who, me? Yeah. Here's a jersey. Here's the shorts. New Nike tennis shoes. Your locker room's over there in the Staples Center. Go check it out. Robert looks at him and says, who, who am I? I could hardly walk and chew gum at the same time. No, that's not, that's not, a, true <laughs> that's not a true description of Robert, but he, he might say that, right? But yet, he's on the dream team. Okay, and let's say Robert is this tremendous basketball fan. He's always dreamed or dreamt of being on the ball team. And he's going to say, Coach, genuinely, I'm on the team. He says, you're, you're on the team. As a matter of fact, three weeks from now, you're point guard. We're playing Russia. Get to work. What's he going to do? Is he going to sit back and say, I'm on the dream team. Out of gratitude, out of just sheer, you know, awe, he's going to say, well, I don't want to make a fool of myself. I'm going to try and make the coach proud. I'm going to try and do my best to, to be the best. He's already on the team. Okay? By all rights, he doesn't really need to do that. But there's a gratitude in him. There's a love in him. There's this willingness to start off maybe at the bottom, but, but maybe someday, someday reflect who he is on that basketball team. And that's what working out our salvation is. There, in no certain terms, I say this, we're never going to be to the measure of Christ. Never. But shouldn't that be the measure we use to measure ourselves as Christians? To measure our salvation? We should start growing in Christ. Amen? We need to work out our salvation. 
in fear and trembling. That means I'm going to fear God. I'm going to tremble at his presence. But I don't think it's the type of fear where we say, man, he's going to zap me if I don't get better. He's going to send a lightning bolt if, you don't, if I don't become a better Christian. I don't think that's the fear and trembling. Because after all, I am saved, right? I am saved. I'm working out my salvation. I'm growing in my salvation. I think when it says in fear and trembling, I tend to think of it this way. Um, I had a really good dad. Really good dad. Um, he often took the belt to me, took the switch to me. But you know what? That was nothing compared to the feeling I got when I knew he was disappointed in me. That's the fear and trembling I think we should have when we're serving God. I mean, just, just think of it. You call yourself a Christian. You wear the T-shirt. You carry the Bible. And all of a sudden you're in a situation where you could either give honor to God or betray him by your actions. There should be some fear and trembling there. You should be working out your salvation there. I remember as a new Christian, that, that was there. That was present in my life. And I'd like to think it's grown, but, you know, I just, I just remember one time, this is 20-some-odd years ago. I was, had been a Christian for about six months, I think, right? And it was nothing severe that I did, but I, after I did it, I just thought, I call myself a Christian? I remember it was a fr back in the age where uh, PCs were just coming into, coming into, into vogue. <laughs> I worked at a nursery here in San Gabriel, and um, one of the drivers came in, and we had had the, the computers there for probably a good five, six months. And until this date, I'm a computer idiot. I don't know anything. But <laughs> I, was, I was working on the computer, printing invoices and taking inventory and stuff like that. And it just came to a point where I couldn't figure something out. And there was a driver waiting for me to dispatch him, give him his routing and, and, and stuff like that. And he looks at me. He says, you still haven't learned that? Oh, he shouldn't have said that. He shouldn't have said that. I, I, in my pride, I looked at him and I said, did you just say that? He says, yeah. I said, how long have you been working here? He says, 25 years. And I said, in my pride, I said, I've been here a year and a half. I went from assembler to driver to salesman in a year and a half. You've been here 25 years. You're still there. And you're asking me why I'm having trouble learning this? Oh, Lord. I might as well have slapped them in the face or kicked them and sent them out crying. That was the, one of the meanest things I've ever done in my life. And as soon as the words came out, I felt God's disappointment. I mean, it, I didn't hurt anybody physically. I didn't call them anything vulgar. But I disappointed my Lord. I disappointed my Father. And that, that's when that trembling set in. I said, Lord, I'm so sorry. How, how can I do something like this? 
I say I'm your son. I say I'm the son of a king, and I do this. That's the kind of trembling that comes to mind when I think of this. I don't want to disappoint my God. I don't want to disappoint my father. I know he has forgiveness. He's willing and able. But that doesn't change the fact that I disappointed him. And we do daily, on a daily basis. And we need to seek not to do it. We need to work our salvation in fear and trembling. Amen? You know, I, I pray that our corresponding response to the Lord and his salvation would be that of, of just giddiness and, 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 and joy and, and glee just to the point where we want to serve him with all our strength. But you know what? We're all different. If you don't have that, work out your salvation. Search for the God. Search for God. Search the scriptures. Speak to him every morning. He will give you that joy. He will give you that excitement. You will know his love. So why is this all important? Let's look at verse 13. We're still in Philippians. Verse 12 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. (laughs) Can you believe God has a vested interest in you? He has an interest in me. Who are we? Are we some valuable investments? No, it's all because of his love. It's all because of his kindness, his generosity, his compassion. He's in us, working through us. That's why it's important to work out our salvation in fear and trembling. He's got a vested interest in all of us. Well, you know what? I don't know the Lord. My first time at church. By the way, welcome if it is your first time. The Lord is good and you'll soon find out. But you you know, all it takes is repentance and accepting the, the gift. God is there. It's been said and it's true that Christianity is the only faith on earth where instead of people trying to please a vehement, angry God, it's actually God reaching out to people with his son. So if you're here for the first time and you say, how can I get close to that God? Well, that's the kind of God we have. He loves you. He knows your heart. He knows each and every one of your thoughts. He knows the beating of your heart, the pulse rate. He knows everything about you. He's counted the hairs on your head. So there's nothing that gets by him. He knows you. Just open yourself up to him.
Excuse me for the brief evangelistic moment. <laughs> God is good, guys. For it's God who works in both you to will and to do for his good pleasure. Why? His good pleasure, what does that mean? Simply because he wants to. Simply put, just because he wants to. He takes pleasure in it. He takes pleasure in loving us. He takes pleasure in giving us his son. His simple pleasure. I'm going to learn how to use an iPad pretty soon, but in the meantime, I use notes. Verses 14 and 16 says, Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked, gener perverse generation among, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the, world, the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. Apparently, these Philippians are just like us. They're humans, right? What's the advice he gives them? He says, do all things without complaining and disputing. Do humans do that? And just, to, just so you get a frame of reference, um, Paul, at this time, is in a Roman prison waiting, awaiting the final verdict on his life. He's got a Roman centurion, a Roman guard, attached to his side by handcuffs. And he's writing this letter, concerned about his people in Philippi. Could you imagine just sitting there saying, I've I got to advise these people. I gotta. I haven't seen him in a while. I gotta give him some advice. I gotta show him some of God's love. Um, give him some counsel. Direct their lives. He's still concerned about others, even though he's in prison. Is that God's heart or not? That's the Lord's heart. We have a, a leadership here at this church that has shown me the Lord's heart. We're privileged and we're blessed to be where we are. God is good, guys. Okay? So he says, do all things without complaining and disputing. There's nothing really complicated about that. That you may become blameless and harmless. That means <clears throat> we are actually blameless in God's sight because of Christ's blood. But now he wants us to become that in people's view. Okay? It's all about extending the, the kingdom of God. It's all about giving witness, evidence of your salvation, working it out. Okay. Children of God, without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. Are we in a crooked and perverse generation? How many of you guys heard today about the decision of allowing uh, women to, front the, to fight in the front lines during the war? That was passed today. For what good reason? I don't know. I think women are just as valuable as men, but... You don't put them up to slaughter just because they want equal rights. We live in a perverse generation. We live in a generation where 
where the government can no longer even profess to know God. You guys saw the Democratic Convention, right? They wouldn't even admit to it. Are we in a world that needs help? So he's telling us to do what? Be blameless, appear harmless in a perverse generation. We need to be lights. We need to shine. We need to show the example. Again, work out your salvation. Work out your salvation. Holding fast the word of life, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. The word of life being Christ and Christ's gospel. Holding on tight to that, but not just keeping it, sharing it. That's why we're lights. That's why we need to shine in the darkness. The darker a room, the more light shines. So this world is getting pretty bad. That will give us the opportunity to give testimony, to shine even the more. And we can't do it on our own. Remember verse 13? God does the will in through us. Okay? He works through us. He has the interest in us. We just need to allow him to work in us. This is, this is kind, of, kind of a comical because he says, this is Paul writing, so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. I imagine Pastor Manny, when all things are said and done, when we're raptured or if we die first, in the presence of God, walking up to the, to the Lord, could you imagine him walking up with his head bent? out of shame Pastor Manny and I might do it out of shyness but we don't want him to do it out of shame you want, we want him to know that when he comes before the Lord he'll know he's done a good job because he sees the results in us and that's, what, that's what Paul's saying he says I founded the Philippian church I'm teaching you guys more so when all this is done I want to be able to come before my Lord with a head lifted high and say here are your people. Here are your sons and daughters. Okay? Work out your salvation. In closing, there's some, a couple of verses that'll, that'll help us um, understand that we can, we can do this. We're not going to reach perfection here, but what we can reach the point where we have perfect attitudes, where we want to do perfectly the will of God. Go to uh, here, in, it's still here in the Philippians, chapter 4, verses 8 and 9. Work out our salvation. Doesn't mean work for your salvation. It means work out your salvation. Extend it. Magnify it in your life. Verses 8 through 9, it says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, 
if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things, the things which you learned and received and heard and saw in me. These do, and the God of peace will be with you. Amen. The last verse is Philippians 1, 6. So if you think you're having trouble living up to God's expectations, don't worry, it's normal. It's normal, but be confident. It says, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen? So if we're worried that we're not cutting the slack, that we're not uh, able to do it, we're able to do it. God works through us. And he will complete the work that he started in us, right? So work out your salvation. Amen? Let's pray, guys. Dear Father, we thank you so much, Father, for this opportunity. For the fact that you've been so gracious, Father. For allowing us to be here, Father, and just uh, enjoy your presence, Father. We just want to give you the honor and the glory, Father. And we want to come before you, Father, just uh, asking, Father, that you build upon us that you help us work out our salvation, Father, that we become what we already are, Father, sons and daughters, that we add luster to the shine you've already given us, Father, that we don't uh, neglect our study, that we don't neglect our devotional time, that we don't neglect our prayer, because we want to, we want to, Father, we want to work out our salvation. I just ask that you uh, give us Give us, Father, the desire, the desire to do this, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel, El Monte, at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.